On the Wake Up Radio presents The Hour. You must remember, the enemy has only images and illusions behind which he hides his true motives. Destroy the image and it will break the enemy. The it that you refer to is a powerful weapon. What is the story we tell ourselves? And every story needs a beginning. Your imagined suffering makes you lifelike. Lifelike, but not alive. Pain only exists in the mind. It's always imagined. So what's the difference between my pain and yours? Between you and me? To find a solution to a problem is answer. You already know. The hour. Welcome, welcome, welcome to OnTheWakeUpRadio.com. You're listening to The Hour with Cindy Ashby. And I have made my favorite, favorite, favorite guest, right? He's not even a guest, right? He just belongs here with us. Uh, O.C. Burton II. What's up, O.C.? How y'all doing? How you doing, Cindy? I am grand. I am grand. Actually, we should be better, but we're not. So this is part three of... Are we or have we failed our children? And tell them what part three is supposed to be about. Well, we're going to talk about when and where the effect when and where had on us as a people. And we're going to cover uh, 1619 to 2019. And uh, if you notice, that was the 400 years of what they call slavery which is still in effect on a wage level. It went from chattel, owning the person, to wage, owning their time. So now you don't have time to do too much of anything else because after you finish your day, you're tired and you have to get some rest and do what else you can do and get prepared for the next day. Hamster on the wheel. It gives a whole and, new, new it gives a whole new meaning to sweat yeah. equity sweat equity right and then when you look at the 400 years being over guess what came covid 19 so it ain't hard to figure out but we're going to talk about when and where and uh somewhat of the effects of when and where, historically, uh, starting with slavery, coming up through Jim Crow, and coming up through uh, civil rights era, and then the breakdown of the family again, and bringing in drugs, and cabana. Uh, because what? now, I, I tell people the other day, Cindy, What's wrong with some of the young people? I'm like, well, you know, the crack babies have grown up. Did you think they were going to stay babies? <laughs> so, you know, that's it. To be simplified, other people want to elongate things. Well, These are the primary points. Well, here's the thing, right? So if we were to take last time what you spoke about, which was the watch, right? And you kind of broke it down into the whole indoctrination, brainwashing, propaganda. How does this flow into 
this next sector where we're talking about when and where, and you, you're talking about this timeline, and you want to start at the beginning with the 1619? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, we'll see when you get to, it's like making a cake. You have ingredients. See, the brainwashing and the indoctrination and the programming and the conditioning, we're repeating the same thing in a way, talking about slavery, because that was the breakdown of the self and then marginalizing the group. You know, if you go back to Whipping Toby, you know, Kunta Kente, you know, when you get a group of people Witnessing trauma, it becomes a part of you. It becomes your genes. There is a gene that carries the instinct of being afraid. You just add certain statements to make it fear. And there's nothing to fear but fear itself, because usually it's just nothing. If you feed into it, instead of going to the higher ground of just doing what you're supposed to do, fear doesn't have any control. You're fearless because that's how we were created. And until the programming. Do you get until the programming. Right. And so I, I remember, you know, and I've said this before, there was a study done with rats where they would put them in a bag with strawberries and beat them to death. Uh, it, now, four generations later, the rats' uh, great-great-grandchildren, when they smell, smell strawberries, they get yep. sick, violently right. sick. So, yeah, just, right. yeah, that whole DNA code programming is a thing. Yeah. You know, so, and then I'd like to say also that all were not participating in slavery. They were free people. And they went about their business, but they dealt with them later by destroying what they built. I think I need you to say that again, because I think everybody thinks that, uh, you know, it it took the the movie 12 Years of Slavery for some people to get it, but I don't think everybody got it. Yeah, um, all were not slaves. There were free people. There were people... Here, when they brought the first slave to Jamestown, as they say, now none of us was there, so we, you know, we're looking at situations, but there are some records. But there were free people here of color. And they were building and doing things, and they just dealt with them later by tearing down what they built. Fast forward now, we don't know how to build. We're just here coexisting. But wouldn't this be a a situation of just losing the culture? Well, that's what happens when assimilation takes place. When you assimilate, you don't lose your culture. You take someone else's. So there's a difference between losing your culture and being someone else. I would rather just lose it 
and hopefully, or I wouldn't say hopefully, work towards finding it. But now you have a roadblock. You have a distraction in your way. You have assimilated into someone else's culture. So now how do we do this? Because now you have to unlearn some things that never were a part of you to get back to where you were as an heir to ancestry. Been cut off at the past. So now, in addition to your work, 8, 10, 12 hours a day, how do you find the time to go back and understand who you really are? What cause you were really cut from? How do you do that? I, I want you to elaborate on the, you know, people say, I'm cut from a different cloth. Do they really know the meaning? Well, some do, you know, but when you look at the cloth that was laid out for us through slavery, assimilation, conditioning, um, do what you're told. The real definition of racism is to control and fear, to place control over someone and establish fear within them. So that's the cloth that was laid out. If you're cut from a different cloth, then you are understanding who you are, why you're here, what you came here to do, how to do it, when and where to do it, and you move on. Now, let, let us pretend I am of a different uh, race, and I say to you, you're being racist, sir. Sir, you're being, sir, you're being racist. It take one to know one. Ah. <laughs> but no, no, it's not being racist. See, first of all, in our creation, there is one race, and that's the human race. If you make it simple, from that, you have ethnicities, nationalities. People come from nations, and then you have ethnic backgrounds. That's where your culture comes from. So if you want to say, I'm being racist by explaining something that was done, you're a fool. These things happen, and they continually happen. If you want to take ownership of what some of you have done and stand over in that line over there. We'll deal with you later. But you cannot call someone a racist for explaining what happened. Can't do it. Now, you, you had shared a, a video with me. Uh, it was the... Uh... Uh, I, I think I'll, I'll play a little bit of it, but I want you to tell me uh, what you had gotten from it. It was about the, the money owed to our, <laughs> to our folks. Yeah, it, was, it was a joke. Is it? Yeah, it's a joke. $350,000. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> what's that there's not even like a half a penny it's not even like the beginning of what crypto starts at you know yeah, yeah. for 400 years of murder discrimination prejudice reframing the family the placing of fear don't get into once you come out of that situation you can't own anything in your name you can't have a patent. They don't have a clue of the calculation to derive at what's old. But I had a brother share the calculation with me in the mid 80s. And at that time, it was $35 billion each. So now, take a look at this, Cindy. They take a percentage of that figure and break it down to $350,000. Isn't it strange that the last number that was done, that's like 1% of it? It, it, it reminds me of the fact that, you know, what is it, 15 million black farmers, right? That's it. The property's just gone. Acres. Acres upon acres. Yeah. Stolen. Just rape, steal, and kill. And then you don't owe anything for it. I mean, well, we know the kind of people um, act like that. You know, it just, um, it just shows who they are. We have to grow to become who we are because time is drawing nigh. So as you come down through uh, those slavery years, it was just reinforced Jim Crow. You know, a lot of people don't know that laws were legislated to legalize the marginalization of the people. Now, when you marginalize something, you eradicate it or you keep it stultified, you know, you disarm it, you make it ineffective. And that's what these laws did for a hundred years. You know, up until close to the 60s. So, part of that 400 year period, if you break it down, you went from chattel to wage, then they released you, if you want to use that term, into a society of capitalism with no capital. Some went back to the plantation because they just couldn't handle going out into a society that they knew very little about. And that is really to this day. Well, we may know more than we think we know, but we don't take action on what we know. We still hide and put shuffle, you know, uh, master said. I got to do is still controlling fear to this minute. And at some point, 
we have to come to our senses. So we come down to Jim Crow. Now comes the real game into the civil rights era. Civil rights, because you were already told that you're three fifths of a human. Which, when you look at that, it can be derived because there's many perspectives. I'll give you one. There are five fifths, three fifths. So the slave diet was minus vitamins and minerals. What do vitamins and minerals do? They initiate the process of thinking. Okay? Yeah. So now, when we begin to look at what was done, we invented a new person. A person that in some instances cannot think for him or herself. And I'm not being negative, I'm explaining the process and the protocol that these people use on a people to marginalize them, to make them act like something else. Because who sends a child to the oppressor to learn? And never sits down with that child and shares the true history, our story. Who does that? Someone that has been miseducated. And there are books. There are books on this. Miseducation of the Negro, Jerry Rogers, Dr. Naomi Mockbart, written books. Um, Julian Nathan Hale, we got the ISIS papers, Dr. Francis Cress Wellesley. We know what happened. My question is, when are we going to do something about it? Because it's getting close. Time runs out on you. You know, you ever pull up to a parking meter? Yeah. Put a quarter in, put a dollar in, time runs out. I promise you it does, especially when you get a ticket. There you go. And disobedience always brings punishment. Disobedience always brings punishment. You cannot avoid it. If you negate being an action person and you're actionless, you're going to get your punishment. To avoid your punishment, you have to do correction. You have to fix it. It's been levels of trauma. Basically, what is taught when you go through trauma, you have to learn, cope, or fight. Now, those are the only three things you can do. You can fix it. But here again, it takes time to fix it. And... Most people don't want to put the work in because that's the time to fix it. 
the human subconscious tells you, you know, allow to get along. Let it be. Well, there's a penalty for letting it be. And it's coming very soon. So I'm going to play this clip, uh, not the whole thing. I'll put it in, we'll edit in the rest of it and stuff. It's a bit long, but we're going to play a little bit so the audience can understand. 250 years of slavery, decades of Jim Crow, housing discrimination, and other forms of systemic racism. All of that has led to this, a shocking wealth gap between black and white households in the United States an average gap of $850,000 that, some experts believe, can be solved by something long overdue. Reparations to the descendants of enslaved black people. But how do we even determine who's eligible for reparations? And can the struggle for reparations in other parts of the world teach us anything about what needs to be done in the US? To understand why there's a call for reparations, there needs to be an understanding of the scale of slavery. It was a crime against humanity in which around 400,000 people were forcibly brought to North America. Over the centuries, 10 million enslaved people were legally treated as property in the United States, brutalized and ruthlessly exploited for free labor, which was used to establish the country as a leading global economy. In fact, one historian estimated that by 1860, enslaved people were, quote, worth some $3.5 billion, making them the largest single financial asset in the entire U.S. economy. That's around $115 billion today. When slavery was abolished in 1865, 4 million formerly enslaved African Americans were freed. But through their forced labor, they created billions of dollars in generational wealth for their captors and none for themselves. Back then, the U.S. government understood the need for reparations and passed an order to distribute 40 acres and a mule to all formerly enslaved families so they could build wealth and financial security. However, after the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, President Andrew Johnson vetoed the allocation and returned the land to former slave owners. One way to reckon with America's past and current wealth disparity is through reparations that close the racial wealth gap. You should make direct monetary payments to the eligible recipients. That's economist William Darity. He co-authored the book From Here to Equality, which outlines one of the most comprehensive plans for what material reparations could look like. So we estimate that uh, this would require an expenditure of approximately $350,000 uh, per eligible uh, per eligible recipient, you get a figure of approximately $14 trillion. Reparations for the crime of slavery and its legacy have long been a subject of national debate. I don't think reparations for something that happened 150 years ago for whom none of us currently living are responsible is a good idea. And I think they're using what academics would call the theory of distance, you know? That something is too far in the past to have contemporary application. So it's easy to see why Congress has yet to pass H.R. 40, a bill that was proposed all the way back in 1989. It would set up a commission to study and consider a national apology and proposal for reparations for the institution of slavery and its subsequent racial and economic discrimination against African Americans. 
And while you cannot place a monetary value on slavery and its lasting effects, there's a precedent of reparations programs compensating victimized communities directly. Back in the US, the Civil Liberties Act of 1988 designated $20,000 payments to Japanese Americans who survived internment camps during World War II. The U.S. government has also made payments in instances where it was not the culpable party. Payments made to families that lost loved ones during the course of the 911 attacks, as well as payments that are being made to individuals who were held hostage in Iran at the end of the Carter presidency. Up to $4.4 million per hostage or their estates. In the case of slavery, the U.S. government did promise reparations. It's just reneged on it. In fact, when the U.S. finally issued an apology for slavery, it included the disclaimer, nothing in this resolution authorizes or supports any claim against the United States or serves as a settlement of any claim against the United States. Nor did the U.S. ever provide true reparations, a process consisting of three things, acknowledgement, redress, and closure for grievous injustices. It's vital that the federal government issue an apology because that will create the justification for the redress plan that follows. That brings us to who would actually receive reparations. Those direct payments would go to the roughly 47 million Americans who identify as black. But under Darity's plan, the requirements are a little more strict. First, black Americans would have to have identified as black, Negro, African American, or Afro American for at least 12 years before any reparations plan goes into effect. And they'd have to prove that they had at least one ancestor who was enslaved in the United States. One way to do that is using the census. If your ancestor was present in the 1870 census and was old enough to have been alive in 1850 or 1860, but you can't find that person in the 1850 or 1860 census, that would suggest that they were probably enslaved. That's because, before slavery was abolished with the 13th Amendment, enslaved people were not counted in the census. They're actually missing people from the 1850 and 1860 census, and their absence there is a potential indicator that they were probably enslaved. But while Darity's plan has received traction, it still faces opposition. The impression down here is that Caribbean people who live in the United States, black people, would not be entitled to any reparation paid by the U.S. government. But we are saying that's not right. We are saying that's divisive of the black population in the United States. We are saying that Caribbean immigrants have been harmed by that system through racial profiling, discrimination. See, the black population in the U.S. is pretty diverse. Most black people are foundational black Americans, meaning they're American descendants of enslaved people. Others are immigrants or the children of immigrants who came to the United States from mostly African and Caribbean countries. Those individuals may have ancestors who were enslaved, but wouldn't be considered eligible recipients for reparations in the United States. Descendants of the enslaved have a claim that's linked directly to the failure to provide their ancestors with the promised 40-acre land grants. And that's uniquely a debt that is owed to the individuals who were enslaved and it was not met, and to their descendants. The second reason that's somewhat related 
is the fact that the current or existing racial wealth gap in the United States is a consequence of policies that have been pursued by the federal government that built white wealth to the detriment of black wealth. A major policy Darity is referring to is the Homestead Act of 1862, or H.R. 125, legislation to, quote, secure homesteads to actual settlers of public domain. The policy incentivized citizens to move onto and settle land that had been violently stolen from indigenous nations. It provided 160-acre land grants to over a million white families for a small fee, but excluded the 4 million formerly enslaved people from the program who had already been denied the 40-acre land grants they'd been promised. Through the act, 270 million acres of land was settled across 30 states over 124 years. Remember, owning land generates income, and passing land down to the next generation builds wealth. So the consequences of that decision are seen today. Approximately 45 million living white Americans have benefited from this massive asset-building legislation. I would argue that virtually all black people throughout the diaspora, the African diaspora, have a claim for reparations, but they don't all have a claim for reparations from the United States government. The horrors of slavery and its consequences are not uniquely American. The transatlantic slave trade transported approximately 12 and a half million enslaved Africans across the Americas. The overwhelming majority of enslaved Africans were shipped directly to Latin America and the Caribbean. Spain and Britain shipped around a million enslaved Africans just to Jamaica. By 1833, slavery was abolished throughout the British Empire. But instead of compensating formerly enslaved people, Britain provided reasonable compensation to slave owners through a then 20 million pound loan, which British taxpayers fully repaid in 2015. According to one estimate, that's worth over 20 billion British pounds today. For decades, descendants of enslaved people have been fighting for reparations in these regions. And in 2013, several Caribbean countries united to form the CARICOM Reparations Commission, which developed a strategy for reparations that focuses on reparatory justice. The 10-point plan begins with the demand for an apology. Which is followed by calls for repatriation, an indigenous people's development program, eradicating illiteracy, and debt cancellation, to name a few. CARICOM has sent letters requesting reparations from countries like Spain, France, Britain, and the Netherlands. The response was negative, for the most part. And no country admitted to the wrong, no country took responsibility, no country apologized, no country committed to repair. Today, we're still living with the legacies of colonialism and enslavement that have left black populations across the globe at a disadvantage. There is definitely a case that can be made that there has been a global pattern of exploitation of people of African descent. We're here to demand what's owed to us from the United States government. And despite incremental progress and different approaches to reparations programs, people across the Americas continue to fight for redress. Right now, this is a contentious issue. It's affecting relationships, world relationships, global relationships, country versus country disputes exist. I think reparatory justice would help the society to heal itself. Both people of African descent, African people, and European people. I think it will be good and beneficial to all of us. 
about pull your bootstraps up well i want to correct something the 40 acres and a mule actually was a wartime special order it was special order number 15 and it was issued in january of 1865 to allot some land for those who served in the army. Actually, uh, the definitive order was uh, initiated under General Tecumseh, Sherman, William, Tecumseh Sherman, but then Colonel Howard brought it forth. And Colonel Howard had a university named after him. This is how deep this is. Howard University. That's why it's called historically black colleges and universities. Okay. Now that's fact. And if you listen, when he narrated, he said that it was made law, and then a future president—I don't remember the name—exonerated it, changed it, negated it. But the forty acres and a mule. I don't think anybody ever got it, but it was for those soldiers that fought in the Union Army, I believe. Okay, so that's another misnomer. And what are you going to do with 40 acres and a mule and they're going into industrialization? So it's constantly games and lies. It continues today. It really does. It really does. You know, I was just thinking, I said, a mule. Okay. It's not like a chicken that can lay eggs. Um, <laughs> all right. I get, you know, plowing and all that. But um, just one. Just one, you know. And mules are stubborn, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's almost like, well, damned if you do, damned if you don't. But like you, you, um, I believe it was uh, Joel Saiji on Make Make Me Free. He was he he pointed out the same thing that it actually went back to Massa. And so, mm-hmm. what is the purpose of saying, "Hey guys, we're gonna correct this," and but we're not gonna apologize for anything or you know? And they apologize for a lot of shit. Like a lot of times, I'll see them say. So-and-so, uh, Alan Turing, like uh, Alan Turing, who is the actual godfather of this uh, beloved AI and the algorithms. And mm-hmm. um, he, he helped to save, through Morse code, he helped to save uh, the, the, the First World War. 
And um, they turned their backs on him because the man was a homosexual. Okay. And uh, henceforth, the AI. Well, not henceforth, the AI. He actually was met some guy in the street, propositioned the guy, told the guy to come to his house. The guy robs him. He reports that the guy robs him. The guy tells the police, well, he said, well, let's do some sexual stuff. Well, guess who ended up in jail? Not the guy that stole, but him. And he was given two, two ways to get out of it. You can do five years in jail for you even propositioning this young man, or we can castrate you. Well, the man picked castration. Mm. Henceforth, the AI, right? It's nor male or female. It, it, really interesting, right? And so I think it took them till, uh, what was that? Uh, World War One was what, 1941-ish type thing? Uh, till 2012, they pardoned the man. I was just like, are they? <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. It's like, this person's long, long gone, right? And he died by um, cyanide poisoning. He ended up uh, taking his life, if he even took it at all, right? Because he knew a lot right, of stuff, right? right? Mm-hmm. You know, with the way this place is, who knows, right? Heart attack, guns, and all the EMF waves and all that shit. So Yeah, it could be anything. Pretty much. And I, it reminds me of our leaders. So now, at what point, right, the when and the where, at what point do you think we, was it during the Black Panther Party? Was it during... um you know, when we realized we needed arms, you know, weapons. At what point did we start to go, wait a second, something ain't right here? Well, I think uh, throughout the whole period of time, there were those who knew something was awry. But if you want to look at a specific time when the group rose up, um, I mean, there were rebellions on plantations more than Nat Turner. There were rebellions on ships. There was rebellions in the streets of America. There were rebellions during the civil rights era. But, or I should say, and... They should have been fighting for human rights because there is the the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Now, it's out of the UN, but um, it's there. And each nation signed on to it. And this goes back to what I was saying about people not standing up speaking truth to power. There's a way to acquiesce power. There's a way to use the power within us to overcome the power that they use physically. Minds, not arms. The mind one of the most powerful tools that was created within the human being. When you bring your minds together, there are many things that can take place or change. 
heaven. So, well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say to you, right? So now this takes back to, and if you are listening, this is on the Wake Up Radio. This is the hour. Your host, Cindy Ashby. I'm here with O.C. Burton, the second of Kid Shop Yet. Org. And the last episode, you talked about the fact that let's let's pretend we're a CPU and we have run out of RAM and, you know, <laughs> we you know, we can do about 100 million gigabytes. Uh, no, not it was 100 million terabytes of just the thought process of just knowing things. How, mm-hmm. how does one even, you know, is it a clean wipe? Like you said, is it a clean wipe? But then here's the here's my my conundrum is that if you don't know where you're coming from, you don't know where you're going. That's right. So how does that work? Do you just wipe some of it? Like, you know, if we were putting a computer to a little black person computer together, how does that even work? Well, as you begin to learn the things that you weren't taught, you know, you hear people say, Oh, brother, that was profound. I didn't know that. Okay, so now you've identified something that could have disabled you or hampered you. You have to be that change. Okay, I learned that. I'm going to process through this and I'm going to stop doing that. It might be stop working for them. Stop giving them your energy. Start doing things within your best interest. So you start stockpiling money, as young people say today, you start stacking, but still going to work, being on time, doing what you're supposed to do, and you stack, and then you put your own little company together and build, and you get other people to assist you. Now, you know, it's, now, now, now let me stop you, because I, I, I want you to kind of uh, give them the process, right, because with Kid Shop, Yet.org, you're able to facilitate this with the youngings that you teach, right? Mm-hmm. And getting them to understand. Because, I mean, when you speak to the older people, right, and you kind of say, hey, this is what you kind of need to do. Man, I, I don't know how to do any of that stuff. I, I was just going to work at this job for 20 years, you know, get my pension, if there's a pension. And, uh, you know, work till I die. Well, if that's what you decided to do, do that. But there's other means. And, you know, I learned early this, Cindy. Everything has to be sold. So let's say you get a slogan and put it on a T-shirt. You can't sell a thousand until you sell one. So... You have to look at the basic fundamentals of anything. It could be getting your license to sell cars and opening up a small car lot. Well, you can't sell 10 cars until you sell one. Why do I keep saying that? It's important to get over the hump and get that first sale. Now you have the experience of selling. You can repeat it. Now you have the experiential knowledge of how you sold that. You can repeat it. Now you can go up and sell five, a dozen, two dozen, a gross. Now you can go into advertising, marketing, and promotion. Put an ad together. 
verbal and on four by six card. That's the easiest one to pass out because you can stick it in your pocket. You know, so all of these things have to be learned because if you've been working on the job for 20 years, you don't know how to do these things unless your job entails that. And that's why we start with the young adults, high school students, and up into the 30s. Because they're still relatively um, easy to teach. They listen, hear, and understand. Now, it may take a while for them to do it, but they can take it in. The older group, it's tough to get through all of that stuff they need to unlearn. They can't focus. They can't concentrate a lot of So that's why, you know, we work with the young. And uh, the paperwork process, you know, you have to learn where you start with the Secretary of State in your state because we're all under the jurisdiction of where we are. That's a given. So you have to follow those little monetary things to do the paperwork, to legalize your entity on the state level, the city level, the county level if necessary, and now you're in business. Generally, that's going to run you a little under $1,000 for everything that I mentioned, the licenses. And you got to do it. Well. I wanted to talk about the uh, after slavery, right? Uh, Emancipation Proclamation, 1865. Uh, they said uh, black people were thriving. We were thriving. And uh, we took our shekels and we put them in uh, Freeman Banks. <laughs> and you, you could tell the rest of the people how that went. Well, you got... Um, I mean, I'm going to say this. To add to that, the Freedmen's Bureau was set up, and it is still on paper today. This is what they didn't do. They didn't fund it. It's still sitting in the house right to this day. Passed. I don't think it went through the Senate or... There is a legislative way to pass something and to just hold it in abeyance, but funding was never um, provided. Now, you were talking about what, Cindy? The Freedmen Banks? The Freedmen Banks. When the enslaved population was first freed, the Freedmen's Bank was established to provide a savings and wealth building tool. But just nine years after it opened, the bank collapsed thanks to risky investments and mismanagement by the bank's all-white, all-male board. Black bank customers lost millions in deposits. Now, see, I'm not really uh, knowledgeable of that because that escaped me. Now, I'll say this. I don't deal with banks anyway. Um, I've heard people say, well, we need to open up a black bank. Well, it doesn't matter 
what color the person is, you still have these gregarious regulations. And under their jurisdiction, you got to follow what's written. I mean, does it matter the color of the banker when the regulations are the regulations? A lot of things are just absurd. Break away. Do your own. Now, I'm going to just briefly cover that in uh, next time. Because it gets to be kind of uh, scary for people. Because the step-parents are the step-parents. And don't get upset because somebody explained to you the situation that you're in. Religion was given to you. How you act was given to you. What you buy was given to you through commercials. Understand that the subconscious here again makes 90% of the decisions. The subconscious is directly connected to our eyes and ears. So if we view something, it has an effect on us. It can carry negative effect or it can carry positive effect. In the realm that we're in, you have both. You can just think positive, but the negative is going to come whether you deal with it or not. The key is to understand that it's there and make preparations for it while you're doing positive work. That keeps the flow going when the negative does come because it could come verbally or physically. That part. Now, let's talk about the last Hyatt and the first Fyatt, how the Great Depression <laughs> affected African-Americans. It said it <laughs> lasting from 1929 to 1939, the Great Depression was the worst economic downtown downtime in the industrialized world. While no group escaped the economic devastation of the Great Depression, few suffered more than African Americans said to be last hired, first fired. African Americans were the first to see hours and jobs cut. They experienced the highest unemployment rates during the 30s, since they were already regulated to lower paying professions. African Americans had less of a financial cushion to fall back on when the economic collapse happened the great depression impacted african-americans for decades to come it spurred the rise to african-american activism which laid the groundwork for the civil rights movement in the 1950s and 60s and so i guess they said that you know popularity of franklin uh, d roosevelt the president and his new deal program also saw african-americans switch their political allegiance to become a core party of the democratic party voting was it lyndon b johnson who says i will have these niggas voting democrat <laughs> he didn't lie he, he really didn't it's insane right because weren't we republicans yeah and they stole that from us However, um, I just want to fast forward for a minute because 
this individual that we have in the White House now, approaching 80 years old, and I didn't look up the average age of Americans, but I will say this, you can be 35 and be president. America eats its young. Realize that. Oh, we love the young people. The children are our future. But what do they do for them? And what do we do for them? And I'll cover how we failed our children. Very briefly. We have not provided the proper education, teaching, and training for our children. We have sent them to the oppressor to be taught and trained by them, which keeps the flow of ignorance going. I'm going to be very direct in this. That's how we have failed them. And they have been co-conspirators in the failing because they bought into the fact that our parents don't know anything. Well, if your parents don't know anything, who wiped you behind, changed you, and fed you? It was either a parent or a grandparent or a legal guardian. Stop the foolishness. Listen, hear, understand. And in order to do those three processes, you must ask questions. That part. Now, when you said you weren't sure, uh, somewhere in the 1960s, the average age of Americans were at 29 years old. By 1970, it was 28 years old. By 1980, it was 30. By 1990, it was 32 years old. And from uh, 2000 was 35, but by 2010, all the way to 2016, it was the age 37, and 2017, 38 years old, till about now, 38 years old is the average American age. So now look at this, Cindy. All of those ages up until the last few years were under 35. My question is. Why do you all keep electing these 70 and 80 year olds to be president? Do you know how far they are out of sync? Well, I look at the young people around me sometimes. I'm 66 and I've realized that, you know, I can't do everything I used to do. And I look at how they think. I look at how quick they are. But I also look at the lack of confidence, the lack of self-confidence. So, come on. This thing was put together for the people to draft an individual to lead them. Keep people, keep getting suckered into them trotting out somebody and telling you that you got to pick between Tweetly D and Tweetly Dumb. And then people make this ignorant statement. I'm going to be direct today. Well, she's the lesser of two evils. He's the lesser of two evils. Not realizing that you still got evil. 
Does that make sense? Promise you it doesn't. You know, I mean, at some point in time, we have to really, really step back and observe where we are as a nation. It's a pitiful situation. Keep putting, and I'm not saying, and let me say this, going back to our culture, the elders were advisors. So we keep going against the grain. And any president, I think Kennedy was 46 when he was assassinated because he did something that they didn't want done, the elite. And now, you know, Obama was young. But keep putting these old people and I'm getting up there. But I'm just being real. Well, here's the thing. The lesser of two evils in the uh, Cambridge Dictionary is the less unpleasant of two choices, neither of which is good. Like, this is the <laughs> definition. Like, they both suck. Yeah. So you saying the lesser of two evils, like, well, fuck. What's that going to get you? That That's not even a choice. It, it, no. It's almost like, hey, would you like to be sodomized? Would you like grease with that? Or you just want the, the raw? Like, no, I don't want to be sodomized at all. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Even on the local level, the system was set up for the people to groom city council people to pick. Hey, look, you know, you're a very intelligent young man. You're going off to college. No, 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 no. Stay here. And we want you to represent us on city council. And put that young mind on city council. And then get another middle-aged person. And run them. The people have negated their responsibility. Always waiting for somebody to do something for you. And you see what it's got you. Gas is approaching $7. When I was coming up, it was in the 29 cents, 30 cents range, quarter. Wages have not equaled the price hikes for consumer goods. And everybody wants to... Be like the ostrich. Stick their head in the sand. Don't keep doing it. I tell you. But here's the thing, right? Uh, we're going to fast forward to the 1960s where the, the the Black Panther Party, right? The party, the party wanted to change America, but it also wanted to build up the black community by making it self-reliant. American school systems let black students go hungry. So Black Panthers created a free breakfast program. We didn't have equal access to health care. So they started free health clinics, pioneered research, one sickle cell anemia. Mm-hmm. The initial program that they established, the breakfast program, is now Head Start. 
Well, talk about it now. See, people don't even realize. Okay. Um, the party, the Black Panther Party, did a lot of good. They instilled a lot of motivation in people. Um, and it's still relevant today, providing services um, in neighborhoods, security, etc. I know we have um, some young men out here who've done uh, a lot of good work providing security at events, um, providing security at community giveaways. Because this young group, I'm telling you, Cindy, these 40 and under, they got it. They just need guidance. And that's why we set up kidshopyet.org. Um, the Black Panther Party, matter of fact, I'm going to say this. The calculation that I gave you for reparations was explained to me by a Black Panther, Brother Sensea Kincanya. His slave name, as they say, was William Bryant. And if you check, you'll see that he was in the house with Angela Davis when they had the shootout with police in Oakland. In mid-80s, I met Brother Sensea, and uh, he took me through Hunter Warrior training. And he later passed, I think, around, ooh, 93 or 4. But the brother worked for Operation Human Rights in Birmingham, and he was constantly uh, on the systems behind. And I love that brother and the training that I got from him. But um, he did the calculation and covered every category where money was lost. See, that's the only way you can come to a proper figure with reparations. And then when you do that, you have to look at the profit that was made and the generational wealth. That's why they keep speaking against it because they can't afford to pay it. It would take everything that is available and with fiat currency not being backed by anything. What is it? And I do see localities making moves to give something, you know, but what is rightfully old, how do you pay it? When you have not been good stewards of what you've stolen, back to my point, you cannot build off of a lie. I tell you. I tell you, I do want to play this clip, though. This is from uh, uh, Black History, Our Lost and Stolen or Strayed. It's from 1968. I want us to check it out. Okay. The message down here is coming in stronger. It's be yourself, be black. The new generation of black young Americans is asserting itself in a new and possibly disturbing way. Many black Americans are giving up on American society. If you can't wash white, even if you have the money, if you can't wash white because you are basically black, what you do is react, sometimes radically. 
Here is a measure of the reaction to White is Beautiful. This is a storefront school in Philadelphia. The children are being given a black preparation before they enter the city's schools. They're not especially gifted children, they're just from the neighborhood. One black man named John Churchville put it all there in finance. Right? You understand that? Yeah. All right. A number is a concept of quantity or an amount. That is wrong. No! A number is a concept of quantity or an amount. That is dead wrong. He's not only teaching new math to children whose ages range from 17 months to five years, he's decided to give them the emotional armor they need to protect themselves against the education they're sure to receive when they start kindergarten. Anybody tells you something wrong, are you going to do it? No! Um, what do you want, Janelle? I want freedom. When do you want it? No, you have to wait till next week, Janelle. You can't have it now. How you, 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 can you wait till next week? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sit down. All right, young man, stand up. When do you want your freedom, young man? I want freedom now. You can wait till next week, though, can't you? No. Michael, you just have to wait till next week. You can't have it now. Are you willing to wait till next week? No. Suppose I said that, uh, you have to wait till next week. Now, you're going to wait till next week, aren't you? No. How are you going to get your freedom? I will use any means necessary to get my freedom. Any means necessary? Yes. You know, all right, sit down. Young man, what is your name? My name is Eric Houston. Levante. What is your nationality? My nationality is Afro-American. What is freedom? Freedom is black power. What is black power? Black power is... Do you know what black power is? No. Well, then you should never use, you never, should never make any statements if you don't know what they mean. I'm sorry, I don't know. All right. Um, how old are you, young man? I am four years old. You're not four, Eric. Now you tell me your right age. How old are you? How old are you? I am four years old. Are you sure you're four? Yes. You're going to let me turn you around and tell you you're some other age? You're six years old, Eric. No. I can't hear you, Eric. No! Are you being frightened by me? No! I'm a teacher. I said you're six. I am four years old. All right, then. You stand up for it, then. You shouldn't be weak. You stand up and say it. You ought to scream it in my face if I try to tell you different. Right? Yes. Have a seat. Stand up, young man. Are you a Negro, Travis? No. Are you a flunky, Travis? No. What are you? I am black, young baby. And what else are you? Are you a boy? No. What are you? Oh, man. What kind of man? Black and beautiful man. Well, what kind? Are you an old man or a young man? Young man. Very good. Very good. Are you going to let somebody just make you a boy? No. All right. Suppose I tell you something wrong, Travis. Are you going to do it? Yes. You're going to do something if I tell you and it's wrong? No. Have a seat, young man. 
gave you a dollar to say that you're an American Negro. This is money now. Money talks. Money talks. This dollar. And if you don't say it, you don't get it. You're an American Negro, aren't you? No. You won't have any money. You know you need money, don't you? Yes. You need money to live, don't you? Yes. All right. All you have to say, Leon, is that you're an American Negro. Aren't you an American Negro? Are you an American Negro? No. What are you? I'm black and beautiful. What's your nationality? My nationality is Afro-American. Very good, man. Keep it up. Go sit down. You had to think about that a minute, didn't you? Yeah. All right. All right, everybody. What is your nationality? My nationality is Afro-American. All right. What I'm going to do to you in different ways when you get out of the school? They're not going to just come right up to you and give you a dollar or say, if you say that you're an Afro, if you say you're an American Negro, I'll give you a dollar. But they're going to be very nice to you, some of them, and they're going to try to, you know, get you not to love black people. They're going to try to get you to, you know, be something other than you are. They're going to try to make you, make it seem as though you're different from the masses of black people. And they want you to be, Go away. Now, say, I'll give you special things if you just come along with me and do what I say. But you must reject that. Now, you know what that means? That means you're not going to have the money you'd like to have. And money is not important. We need money. We, you know, we have to buy things with it. But money is not the thing that we're living for. The only thing that makes a person worth living is being a man and being a woman. Being strong in character. Being straight. Telling the truth and living in the truth and doing the right thing. You understand that? So no matter what happens, I want you all to always tell the what? You may not get the marks you're supposed to get in school. You may be doing the work, but because the teacher doesn't like your attitude and she'll always tell you, I don't like your attitude. Because you're independent. But you're not going to school for grades. You're going for what? All um, right, and what kind of people are, is everybody in this room going to be? Tell me the kind of people you're going to be. Black and blue. What else? You're already that. Uh, what are you going to be? Uh, you're going to be stupid? No. What kind of people are you going to be? Excellent. 
You're going to be excellent. And what else? Yes, ma'am. And strong. And strong. And what else? And good. And good. And what else? And I'm genius. Looking, and a genius. And what else? I'm looking for another word. All of you are geniuses right now, and you'll be better than that. What else? I'm looking for a word that begins with a B. Brilliant. Brilliant. And brilliant really means to shine. And all of you will shine. All of you are really going to be brilliant. Good enough. All right. How does everybody feel now? You ready to get ready for lunch? Yeah! Who's hungry? Well, well, well. I, I don't know if you, you got the gist of it. <laughs> but basically, uh, I met uh, John Elliott Churchville when he was about 80-something years old. I went to interview mm. him and for Virtues of Habit. And um, he said to me that, um, you know, he did this, Our Stolen Legacy, 1968, CBS. Bill Cosby was, you know, talking about all the inventions, all the things. And this was his way of combating the heroin, right? Taking mm -hmm. in all these children and you would think like most people it's it's kind of like a daycare but he was teaching them from 17 months old all the way to five years old and he said a lot of people couldn't pay but mm -hmm. he still took them in right. and he said the problem was here he was because being a revolutionary doesn't come with a pension no it doesn't and no one came back for this man I saw this and I had to find this man. And it was just beautiful to hear his stories about how he would have to go out and down south because he had moved up north and he goes down south and they pair him up with like a Jewish guy or a white guy to get Southerners to, to vote, registration voting. And he says, I'm explaining it to them. I'm explaining some, something about voting to someone that looks like me. And they look away from me at the white man for approval. He said that mm -hmm. shit drove him crazy. I know it did. And he told him, don't put me with somebody that don't look like me because they're not looking at me. You know, he went from being a Christian to, and he couldn't take that no more, to becoming, uh, he was in the Nation of Islam. He met Malcolm X. He said that brother was an authentic brother. Because he said, mm -hmm. I, I went up to him and I said, brother, oh my gosh, it's so great to meet you. And he said, it's not about me. Now, he also did say he wasn't a fan of Martin Luther King because he said Martin Luther King was a bit of a a, a camera whore. And the only time <laughs> uh, Martin showed up is when the cameras came out. <laughs> and I was like, but this is this is like what my grandfather would say. I'd be talking about World War Two. And my grandfather would say to me, were you there? You weren't there. So you have to get the story from who was there because right. history rewrites itself. And so I thought that would just be a, a you know, because we're talking about us feeling the children, the when and the where. And there, there have been instances throughout time where we always try to, like, bring ourselves together. And it starts with the youth. Henceforth, this is why I love KidShopYet.org. But um, tell me your thoughts on listening to that. Well, I think he did um, for, for the time that he was at the time that he was putting his time in to do the work that needs to be done to reprogram our young people, I think he was excellent. And, you know, very few come back to say thank you, but that's the work 
that the elders must put in because we lived our life. Not saying that we're suicidal, but now it's time to step aside and die. And if that hasn't been done enough on either side, because slavery put in um, kind of a uh, uh, mechanism where the old and the young were divided and we divide and conquer. So I commend what he did. Here again, it's the basic fundamentals that you build from. And that's what he was instilling, reprogramming, reconditioning, okay? Putting that new RAM in, that new random access memory in the young people and they grow up. And they never forget that. Because I haven't forgotten what my father and my teachers did for me. And you can't sell out. Be it a dollar, a hundred million, ten million. Why? So you can have things. Well, this is what I'll tell you about that. Once you get those things, it'll still be a void because you still won't be happy because we weren't created for things and it's a tough road to toll but that's the fact of the matter so yeah he did a great job with those uh children and uh, i commend him um the other thing i'd like to say cindy is Racism breeds control and fear. So when you go back to the Willie Lynch papers, the Willie Lynch situation, the psychological points of the Willie Lynch papers were brought out to show people what transpired. Okay, when you put the two together, you get to a point of now they did it so when they made their major move, their major move against humans, there would be no revolt. There's a method to the madness. When you use control and fear, when you take human instincts and use them evil, negatively, this is the result you get. Everybody's passing. Damn. Now, one of the things we, you know, I had put something like, 1619 to 2019 that's 400 years of madness yeah and then we we come into 2020 this is not 20 we're in 22 but tell us what happened what happened brother well <clears throat> the initial work had been done and the punishment was lifted the 400 years had been done, as they say. 
So they knew they had to do something to distract the spiritual awakening that was present. And nothing is 100%. But they knew they had to do something. So COVID was brought forth. Now just look at it. Don't, don't holler at me. Step back and look at what happened. See, we can do hindsight 2020 now because it's 2022. So now the veil is lifted and then COVID comes. They put everybody in. That's all I got to say. And we just really not yet in March of 2022 coming out of it. What's next? Well, when you say come, when you say coming out of it, brother, I, some of these people still stuck. Like we well, stuck back saying. in time because I still see, even though mandates are lifted, people still walk around with the muzzle on their goddamn face. People still acting crazy and shit. I, I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know. I know for sure that the psychological trauma because you know, people get sued for shit like that, right? You can't, your boss can't cuss you out every fucking day. And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like the psychological trauma. I, I read a story last year that said there was a man, a black man that went to work for 15 years. He never got paid. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to figure out how to get him paid wages. And I thought to myself, you have got to be kidding. Modern day slavery is a thing it is a mental tight hole on the brain yeah it's a mindset situation that's why it's got to be a mindset revolution how could you be so scared to ask for wages that you worked for how how was he supposed to eat how was he supposed to sleep how was he supposed to take a shit in peace you got, I'm just like, my gosh, even today, I mean, I learned the other day, right up until the, it's probably now, who knows, right? But right up until the 70s, we're, we're still picking cotton. Oh, yeah. In the South. Yeah. And then people yeah. don't know that. People think it's over. No, it's not over. So when you say, you know, people quick to call people sellout, but haven't <laughs> we sold out? Hey. That seems to be the order of the day. And they get upset when you say it. You know, get upset. It is. <clears throat> they get upset, but then at the same time, those are the same ones. Keep it real. Keep it 100. Okay. You see what we got. You see where we are. Coming out of COVID, and I'm just using that term because you're correct. The lasting trauma you don't know when the last person will get over it. But now, World War III. Rent going up. Your housing prices going up. Gas prices going up. Didn't raise minimum wage now. Food going up. It's all a game. And it's happening because the people never took control of the government i don't think they heard you in the back because for some reason we think that the government is supposed to control us 
They're politicians. They're servants. They talk. And they write legislation to keep the elite in power. But it's a matter of time because nothing lasts forever. But when the empire falls, it's going to be collateral damage because we tagged along with this. So don't get upset with me. I'm just giving you the facts. It's going to be a lot of collateral damage. And I'm not being negative. I'm being real. So, and, and I always ask you, what should we do? Now, you know, you've said it several times, but sometimes you have to reinforce it, right? Because we've got to deprogram to reprogram, right? And so That's what right. should we do? Because the when and the where, it's, it's, it's always the same perpetual loop of madness. At what point do we say enough is enough? And it starts with us, right? But how, how do we go about that? You got to override the passivity. You got to override the brainwashing, the conditioning, the programming, and reprogram yourself and move to group economics, group housing, the mindset revolution. Like minds have to connect. But you know, I was uh, laying down the other morning and the universe spoke to me and said, whatever is done now, is in preparation for the future because it's too little, too late. Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so, brother. Where's the um, optimism? Where's the? I know it's reality, but where's the optimism? The optimism is in our young for the future, those that make it through. You cannot, and I will repeat this again. There are certain universal laws and principles that are in play on this vibration, on this frequency, on this energy called Earth. When you negate them, you have to go through your punishment. You do. There is no road of escape. So, after we go through our punishment, it may make us a better people, those that survive. And if you think about what I'm saying, Cindy, I'm only being real because when 219 ended, the veil of punishment was lifted. That component of slavery was gone. They knew it. They brought another distraction. How many of us have loved ones? That aren't with us today. That's the collateral damage. So now as we go into the next arena, they're going to be those of us that don't have loved ones that come out of that. It is real. There is no mystery, God. Life is real. You can look at it as a joke if you want to, or a comedy. But it's real. Pain is real. And I do understand the parallel universes and all of that. But when you touch yourself right now, 
on this physical level, you feel it. Well, you know, in the military, they say pain is weakness leaving the body. However you want to look at it, it hurts. I get it. There are many perspectives to everything. And I can go with everyone. But the bottom line is, while it's leaving the body, it hurt, don't it? Mm. If I want to volunteer to kneel their head down and have a blade come and chop the head off, that's something you really want to go through? Mm. And, and well, I ain't going to touch that subject because they're still talking about something that happened that wasn't nothing when you look at it. I'm just going to say this. Hollywood is a term and it is a real piece of wood. They used to use it to burn witches at the stake. So most that are in Hollywood on a business level are known as controlled assets. A contract, look at what it is. Con Trapped. Sometimes you're con into doing things. So when there's a display that people draw issue with, just remember one thing about these people. They constantly manipulate and distract. And when that happens, you get all the perspectives about what happened. And it's a hundred of them. But you know what people never understand, Cindy? If anything happens, if O.C. kills Ralph, you can have a hundred different perspectives about why O.C. killed Ralph. But you can never find out the truth until you ask O.C. Now, when you were saying contract, I just want to, you know, some of us are a little bit nerdy. I would say uh, the contract is it's a written or spoken agreement, especially one concerning employment, sales or tenancy that is intended to be enforceable by law. The verb is decreased in size, number or range, <laughs> right? Decreased, right? <laughs> words, right? And then entering into a formal legally binding agreement. Like this thing is like, it's like a soul trap. The whole contracts concept is just like you're decreased, you're diminished. When you when you look at what we listen to with the children, he covered that. He says, if if I give you this dollar, are you gonna be a Negro? See, that was a message. And you know, when you sign that contract. In those industries, you're not your own. You can't be. Mm. Just like when you make that agreement to go work for someone. How are you yourself in those hours? You've done what you you're doing what you're told to do. There's no difference if it's minimum wage, 15 hour, 25 hour. I said it's wage slavery. It's no different if it's a $10 million contract or $20 million movie. 
your control asset with these people. Now, wait a second. I didn't. I saved the best for last because the 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 rest of the meaning of the contract is quite interesting. It's to catch or develop a disease or infectious agent. Three people contracted a killer virus. <laughs> I that the dictionary. That ain't even me. That's the Queen's English, the King's English, all that shit. You got what I'm saying? There you go. So, you know. We just have to come to grips with the reality of what we've been through and begin to prepare to go through and hopefully grow through more and come out better on the other side. You can take chaos. Out of chaos, community can come. It's a, it's the, it's the turnaround for me. It's that moment where we realize, and I, I know you said it's, it's like-minded, right? Cause it, you can't take everybody. You just no. really can't. There's too many uh, traitors. And if you see somebody at the last minute, want to come and be enlightened and profound and, you know, I wouldn't trust it. That's when you'd be like, where the, where the fuck were you all this time? Now that we've mm. lifted all the wood and, and, and built the foundation, where'd you come from? Yeah. Who sent you? Who the hell sent you? Yeah, it's good to find out what they were doing all these years. Because that's the true person. Now, it, it, it's a, it's, it, the origin of the contract, the noun, is believed to come from the Latin roots of a combination. Con, meaning with together, uh, to draw, you know, it's, a, it's meant to bring people together. Now, I didn't say it was for the better or the worse, but this <laughs> is like the lesser of two evils here, yeah. What do That's you right. do when you have a whole globe sitting the fuck down muzzled sitting home taking showers with this shit on because i know jerking off with this shit on because i already know um what what do you what do you do when everyone is just like it's like you said assimilation i thought about the cyborg and star trek you must assimilate you must assimilate right and the fight for the human being to kind of just pull back and get their identity of who they are and you can't because the masses are the asses. Individuals, I always tell people, individually, because, you know, we'll sit here and talk about all oh, the Jews, the white, the this and that. Individually, people are not that fucking bad. But when you kind of group them and lump them together, well, it's a brain fart for some weird reason. Mm-hmm. And see, <clears throat> you know, people have to understand, I always say, nothing is 100%. So during this period of time, there were those who were using their time properly, understanding what was taking place, working on self, family, getting self together, developing self, developing family, and they came out hitting the ground running. So all is not lost. Okay, this isn't a message of doom, it's a message of reality. 
see it for what it is. And everybody has, here again, their own perspective. That doesn't mean it's true. Well, you know what I'd like you to touch on before we go? Uh, I would love for you to talk to talk about the late, great Dr. Richard Williams. Oh, Doc. <clears throat> Doc was a beautiful brother. And he stayed with us to 86. Um, past March 29th. But he wrote his first book. is where uh, I met him. Uh, I was in Syracuse and I went over to Henrietta, New York. He was a suburb of Rochester. After I read his book, it was an easy read because even um, where I grew up in Highland Park, we didn't learn about slavery and what it did. And it happened. It didn't happen to everyone. But in his book, they stole it, but you must return it. It's just a primer. It's an easy read for you to get an understanding of what happened. But he allowed me to come to his home on a phone call, not knowing who I was. And his wife at the time, uh, we got very close until she passed in 2000, I think it was seven. And I was going to bring back out here because she had never been to Vegas. And I canceled it once I now she passed. It just really hurt me because she was a very loving woman. And she allowed me to stay in her home for three days because she saw the, the genuine-ness, uh, as they say, in me because I wanted to learn. And that was the first man that taught me about what happened. He went on, um, he worked with him to get him on Oprah. He started marketing his book. That's where I learned how to market books for authors. But Doc was a very good brother. And uh, he left us with his last piece, uh, The Whiteboard, which talks about us tagging along for 300 years. But we had fun. We traveled the country and sold books, and I got the money. And then uh, his wife passed and moved to Atlanta. And ultimately, uh, we married Rhonda Williams. And I stayed in touch with her. But we're fixing to do uh, a legacy show. We're doing interviews on the Wake Up Radio and WKRN. And that's my uh, gift to the listeners through the legacy of Dr. Richard Williams. He went on to write another book for uh, Rites of Passage called Torches, The Road to Passage. And the last book, Who Determines the Education of Your Children, which hits on the points. Yeah, I keep talking about why we keep sending our children to the oppressor to be educated and we're so elated. But it just keeps the cycle going. At some point, we have to stop it. And there are many efforts around the country 
that uh, are taking place. It's not just that you're doing nothing is 100 percent. So yeah, doctors uh, he's on the case. Yeah, he was uh, truly a beautiful man. Uh, Very just amazing. You know, I thought about the fact that you understand a lot of things that you do through experience in life. Uh, At one point, did you do the clinician work in psychology? No. Mm -mm. If if you want to do that, just go in the hood. (laughs) We'll break it down. Just step back and observe. See, some have the ability to self-learn. I never liked the system. You know, I sat through it. I couldn't stomach it. And I applaud those that go through it. But see, when you go through it and stay in it, it's problematic. Because you do nothing for your culture. Nothing solution oriented. You can't do both. Period. That's why we're still in it. It hasn't been enough. It's not been a connection the one in and out. Very few. The ones ones in should be helping the ones out covertly. But it's controlling fear. I mean, but isn't this a case of listening to your elders? Not that elders know everything, but I mean, they were there for things. I remember speaking to this 89-year-old woman who said to me, I fucked up. I went there for something else. It wasn't even, you know, and you fucked up. She says, uh, I spent 45 years working for the man. I had one son. And I feel like I didn't do what I needed to do. And she she was a, a clinical psychologist. And the more she kind of understood who everybody else was, she didn't take the time to understand who she was. And she said, I wish I would have done things differently. Now, that spoke to me and said to me, sometimes we have to do the things we need to do. We cannot wait. We are here temporarily. And mm-hmm. I don't think Nobody people stays. understand that. Nobody stays. And Frank Hill from the Carol Hill Memorial Youth Foundation. See, I've had men all through my life since the death transition of my father who have mentored me. And I've learned from every one of them. But I decided, like those little children that you had on in this segment, I decided at a very young age, what I was not going to do. And I kept my word. I didn't like jobs. The worst thing I liked was somebody standing over me. I don't like that. You either stand to the side, right or left. And I would tell them, don't stand behind me. I was a young man. I had jobs when I was young, and I made it known, don't do that. And people, you don't talk to a supervisor like that. He's a man as I am a young man. I don't like it, don't do it. 
because I don't have to be here. Very few made that dedication. I would rather have less. And I've enjoyed a lot of things. But I'm preparing for my transition now. So it ain't about me. It's about the young, teaching the young, guiding them, assisting them. People misunderstanding the word help. We take help is do it for me. So I use the word assist. So they understand that it takes both of us to get this done. You want to do it, let's get it done. All can't do it. You know, so <clears throat> the psychology of the clinic is not as good as observing it directly. They don't give a degree for that. I observed it directly. And I kept my word to 66. We'll see what happens. I want you to tell them more about Kid Shop Yet. And the reason why I keep saying this is kidshopyet.org is that a lot of it, this, in wanting to teach the youth, you do need the assistance of the parent or the parents. You do and you don't. It can work both ways. Oh, well, help me with that. Well, in the original Kid Shop, and, and let me see, we dropped kidshopyet.org. It's K-S-Y-E-T dot org, which means the same thing. But there was a K-I-D-S-H-O-P-Y-E-T dot org. We dropped that. Let me say that. Now, let me explain to you what I said. <clears throat> Again, nothing is 100%. Everybody's stuck on their way. And it's the only way that works. It's not. There are many ways to do the same thing. Just like there are many roads that will get you the same place, north, south, east, and west. You need to get out of that mentality. That's why Doc says we need a mindset revolution. Now, when I did the original kid shop, the parents were not involved. Guess how they got involved, Cindy? When they saw their children coming home, I used to tell them, I said, look, learn like Mr. Osi learned. I ain't fight with my parents. They asked me to do something, I got it done. There was no room in my house to do anything otherwise. I had a strong father who basically told me, schoolhouse is learning. If I hear you doing anything else, it's going to be me and you. At six five two sixty two seventy and I am in elementary school. Do you think I want to tackle that brother? That wasn't gonna happen, brother. So I learned to do what I'm told as long as it's correct. I was not taught to obey authority and error. And my parents backed that up. So Here's what happened at Kisha. As I began to teach the young people, and any Kisha student, if you talk to him, will tell you, Mr. Osi said that he would never lie to me. And I have not, and I've had hundreds of students. 
So that right there made them comfortable because they tested me. When they saw I was real and I was genuine and I cared about them and I made sacrifices for them, they obeyed. They went home, made up their bed. You know, when they got out of bed, they made it up, did their hygiene, got their books out the door or in the car. Kids start getting rides to school. They're going to school in Mercedes Benz and all kinds of stuff. I had to walk. So when the parents started seeing the changes in the children, they came to Google. Because they wondered, who was this man that got my children to do something I've been trying to get them to do for years? But they negated some parenting skills that I got naturally from growing up. And the parents got involved. See, now we think we got to get the parents in the beginning. Now that's a fight. You could be teaching the children by the time you're dealing with the parents who really aren't parents. I guarantee you, if your program works, and the children go home and do what you're teaching them, the parents gonna come. Now, uh, I couldn't, let me just say this. I couldn't handle all the parents that was coming. They were taking my time away from the children. But they started supporting the program, and it was a beautiful thing. Minor elementary school, Kinsley neighborhood, Birmingham and Bala, Alabama, excuse me, the Community Presbyterian Center. This has been done. I am not doing something that's trial and error. But the people have changed today. And it's slow. But I'm in for the long haul. I'm sorry, Cindy, I just wanted to say that. No, no. I, you know, while you're talking about it, because my brain is just like, da, 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 da. family dynamics. What is needed? I know, you know, uh, children, I was just telling this to a sister, you know, when you have a baby, they don't come with a manual. When you have children, they don't come with a manual. You gotta, it's like, you gotta figure it out. Yeah, you know, elders tell you, don't do this, put the socks on, do this, do that. The family dynamics, what needs to be done? Because people don't, they don't know, I don't know if they don't care, I don't know what the fuck it is, right? They don't know. <clears throat> Because, see, I'm going to say this. We have picked on a lot, we have picked up a lot of cliches and a lot of statements that aren't true. Because children do come with manuals. I'm going to say this. In the Holy Bible, it talks a lot about what not to do with your children and what you should do with your children. Is that not a manual? Train up a child in the way that they should go. Do not exasperate your children. The book of Maya, if you open it, when it goes to family relationships, written by Dr. Kilimanjaro, M-A-A-T, it says this, and it's real simple. First love, then marriage, Care for the children. Is that not instruction? 
And then it goes on to talk about what to do with the children. This information has not been made available to us. So we say children don't come with a manual. Of course they do. Do you think your creator would give you what most call a blessing and then not give you the transactional information to raise them? Come on. We've been missing it. I agree with that. I do. Um, I think a lot of the, a lot of times it's supposed to be, let's say, I don't know how to read, instinct. Aren't we lacking instinct? I've heard some horrible stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the baby had 104, 105 fever, but I was so tired. <laughs> I, I just went to sleep. Fast forward, the kid is eight. The kid has seizures. Now, mm-hmm. I heard this story after I had my first child. and She was two okay. weeks old. She had 102 fever. It was two o'clock in the morning. What do I do? Well, this wasn't a, you know, a YouTube moment for me. This was an instinctual moment for me. I had a flashback of my grandmother used to make me watch Little House in Prairie. I had a flashback of like what happens when someone's sick. They put them in a tub of ice. Well, I wasn't going to put the baby in a tub of ice. I I laid out some cool water. I took a rag and I kind of washed her over. What seemed like forever. And I watched the temperature drop because we're made of water. Right? Mm-hmm. I watched mm-hmm. it drop from 102, 99, down to 98. And I was like, okay, by 8.30, I'm going to just bring her over to the doctor to figure out what's going on. Right? <laughs> right, right? And I said to myself when I heard later on and someone said, well, he has seizures because, you know, apparently his head was like a hot t- potato, but I was too tired. And I thought to myself, but where was the instinct to kind of go, well, let me figure this out. Not let me go to fucking sleep. Henceforth, they go, well, I needed help. And what did you say? Help means to people, somebody else that can do it for them. (laughs) That's right. To a lot of people, that's what it means. Now, here's what happens with the instinct. If you notice, the animal kingdom has kept true to its instinct, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Humans were given, and I don't want to call it a gift, but it says the gifts of reason. Sometimes reason overrides instinct. In what you just mentioned, that's what happened. Her reason for not dealing with it was she was sleepy. And you will find that the English language gives us key words to understand what they mean. It's a foreign language to the indigenous person and the person of African descent. So we don't understand it totally. Our native tongue, most of us never knew. So, instinct, it's not like it's not there. But given the gift of reason, we override it. We hear noises. Oh, sound like gunshots. We'll go to get up. 
Nah, they're not shooting in my neighborhood. Reason. And I can go on and on and on all day and explain why we do not follow our instinct. The human being is being reassigned to be artificial, to be a robot. They put it right in front of your face. They got robots making hamburgers now. Not to mention beef isn't good for you. We just keep going. When will our spirits be awakened so that we understand nobody stays here? There's nothing to fear but fear itself. Override that. Isn't it strange how we override the unnatural? We override the things that we shouldn't override, is what I meant to say. We won't override fear and control. We'll override an instinct. Something will come, man, you've been on this job, you got money saved up, you ought to leave. But we'll find a reason to stay. And call it the plantation. Then they go to the plantation. I just couldn't partake in that. I I, I remember those days. You know, someone <laughs> saying to me, you going to the plantation today? And I said, the plantation? I said, no, baby, I work for Satan. That's not a plantation. That's just the way it is. You get what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. Like I said, my father did 30 years. I commend him. But I made a decision watching him do it. I wasn't going to do it. Mm-mm. And I'll take less. None comes without sacrifice. Yeah, but, but you ought to remember too, brother. When I, And I've heard children, because I listen to children, right? They always say, listen to the, watch nature and the animals and watch the children, right? Mm-hmm. Children will tell you. I've had my daughter say to me, I don't understand why a person would get up every morning (laughs) and do the same shit, mama, and go to work, get this paycheck just to do it all over again because it's not enough. She said, that's stupid. You know what another parent would say? Well, Hmm. you know, that's just the way things are and you got to do what you're supposed to do. And this actually diminishes this child's thought to kind of say, well, I want to start. What do you want to start a business for? This business Mm -hmm. is out there. And it's almost like, how can you sacrifice your child, your child, nobody else's? How could you you sacrifice yourself? But now you're sacrificing your child, your children. Yeah. How is that okay? Because they say so. Oh man, you crazy. You know, and I, I just didn't want to follow somebody else's script. If that's what you decide to do, keep doing it. Well, well, right. It's, it, uh, no one's judging, not judging, only agree to well, judge. Right? No, well, that ain't what the word said. Everybody always in the word. The word says, judge not lest you be judged by the same measure. 
But see, the actual judgment takes place when you do it. And when you do it openly, I can speak on it. Judging. See, that's something else that we should have a show on. See, if a person come out, young man go up in a, in a pawn shop to rob it. That's the last place you want to go. Everybody's armed. And then you want to go do something where you didn't, what they used to call it, Cindy, you go ahead of time to see, you kind of seek out the area. I can't think of the term that they call it. A stakeout? No. If you're going to rob something, you go look at it first. Uh, it's a word for that. I'm like, a, I'm like a stakeout, case the joint. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, you go case the joint. And now, if you would have went and cased the pawn shop, you would have saw most of the people in there were armed. So you don't want to run up in there with a gun. Last place you want to go. Okay, that's like going to a military base to get the gold that ain't there no more. So we do these things unknowingly that we bring judgment on ourselves. That's okay. What judging is talking about is being suspicious. Well, I think he did this because of something, 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 which leads into gossiping and all those other things. It's okay. I had a young lady. I said, sister, uh, your dress is kind of short. Don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm looking at it. You bend over, everything's shown. It's not, but I, I dress for myself. Huh? Stay home then. Now you mad because males and females now looking at you. Why are they looking at me? Because you got a dress on that's too short. I mean, isn't that obvious to you? It's not judging. It's observing. Let's change the word. But the real judgment was when you don't know what happened and you are bringing your perspective into it, now you are judging. And judge not. Yes, you, yes, you be judged by that same measure. That's just a perspective of that scripture. Comprehension in reading is good. It's okay to talk about the president talking about uh, Jill was the vice president. <laughs> he bring a judgment on himself. His misspeaking is what I'm talking about at 80, approaching 80. That happens. So it's okay. Understand what these words mean. Because if I, Mr. Osi, go do something stupid, I don't have nothing to say when people start talking about it. They are not judging me. I made myself look like a fool. But now if you want to bear false witness against Mr. Osi, that's different. 
That's right. Now, when you were talking about uh, when we were saying case in the joint, I read an article somewhere. It was in 2020. I haven't heard about I've been looking for it. Uh, Apparently, uh, a man or woman uh, somewhere, I want to say somewhere in the Bronx or Vermont or so, went in and robbed a bank and they never found the person or the money. Now, you know, what was so interesting, not that this is a uh, a, a, a architectural plan to how to rob banks. (laughs) (laughs) What the person decided to do, because they know their cameras, they definitely cased the joint. They found a manhole that was near the bank, robbed the bank, didn't get in the car, went into the manhole, and that's how they disappeared because there's no cameras underneath. There you I go. tell you, boy, some people, I get goosebumps. Some people just figure it out. How not to get caught. How to get away with all types of shit. And they say crime don't pay. It paid for that person, wherever they pay. are. If you're listening, mm-hmm. make a donation to On the Wake Up Radio. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not agreeing with or telling anybody to go do that. But I'm just saying if you're going to do something, go look at it first and see if it's viable. Look at the feasibility of it. I, now, let me tell you this. I had, uh, it was uh, it was a few, a few years back, and uh, you know how sometimes the children get the, the report card and the report card looking crazy? Well, I see you doing homework every day. What is this? You failing? Oh, well, the teacher this and the teacher that. Oh, okay. I'm going to need everybody to get dressed. I got to do my homework. Don't worry about that. You wasn't worried about it before. We get in the car. I drive down to Jamaica Avenue train station. I pull out a, a piece of paper, a Sharpie, a cardboard box, and I says, go ahead and write what you need to write on there. What's this for, Mama? Well, I ain't going to be here forever. But if you're going to be a bum, let me let me show you how to do it the right way. <laughs> they was like, ah, oh, come on. Now, we didn't get out the car and do it. But that was my way of saying, if you're going to be a fuck up, be the best fuck up you could be. Hey. You can't say mama ain't never said to you, hey, oh, you, you don't want to do what you're supposed to do. You don't want to have integrity. You don't want to listen. You don't want to follow directions. Oh, let me show you where this leads us. Let me show you how people get here. But let let mama take you. Mm-hmm. And they were like, and I promise you, nothing but straight A's after that. Because it was like, she crazy. No, 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 I'm, I'm being real. There you go. <laughs> there are many methods that will get the good result. <clears throat> and, you know, my sisters, I grew up with, with three sisters. One is transition back in 2020. And uh, my baby sister, she always says to me, are you talking about being uh, out of the box? You're 10 miles out the box. I said, no, I'm a thousand. I'm going to get far away from that box as I can. Y'all handle the box. <laughs> I didn't come for that. And um, <clears throat> I would tell her, I'd say, listen, we could have worked together but I saw you come back just from a weekend at a college and you had just changed. You were so animated. 
you assimilated in a weekend and been there ever since. And I couldn't do it. If something is going to give you a turnabout change in your being, why would you do it? And, you know, it's just, um, you know, it's sad to me. Because no. everybody that I talk to, they say, well, you know, that's you. Yeah, yeah, I'm me. Okay? And I'm going to be me until I transition. And I'm trying to get you to understand that you being you, how the work going to get done. Well, you know, the saying is only one you. You know, and, that, and this is what I've been trying to relay to people. There's only one you. Great, good, evil, indifferent, all that shit. There's only one you. You want to get it right or you want to do it the wrong way, right? You want to do this the easy way or you want to do it the hard way? It's up to you. You. It starts with yourself. And I get the programming. I get all that. I remember saying to someone, I had, I had, it was like a, it's like a, you know, when you go on a journey and the, the road splits. And I remember my, my father's side, hey, homework, what's going on? What's, what's two times two? Oh, you don't know what two times two is? I'm going to need you to write that a thousand times and thinking, this is abuse. <laughs> doing it while I'm doing it, right? Just writing it until my hand felt like it was about to fall off, but never forgetting what two times two was. Okay, and then I remember the fact that my mom, she didn't finish school. She would never ask me about it. Now, I could have went either way. Mm-hmm. I could have went with the, well, she ain't worried about it, so it don't even matter. But it was something in me that said, nah, to be better, I got to do better. And once you understand that about yourself, because it starts with self. We can't we can't always sit there and be like, well, you know, my mother was on crack and my father was on this. And and you got to start with you. You have to change the fucked up cycle. You have to change it. You can't wait. Ain't nobody going to come and save you. Oh, we looking for a leader. Guess who the leader is? You. That's right. Yeah, you. Um, I mean, you know, I don't like to talk a lot against the system because people get angry you know because you know well, how did he get through it how did he do this and I couldn't do it well you gotta put the work in you gotta understand the protocol you gotta understand the process you know prayer is not needed for certain things learn the process and nobody wants to put the work in and that was written. Now, maybe it was a script because scriptures could be a script. If you hear something wrong enough, the subconscious is going to kick it in. And I don't want to beat up on the book, but I'm just saying. Well, so, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say we've heard that the harvest is great. But the laborers are few. Well, isn't that a case of too many chiefs and not enough Indians? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, my mentor, he came to me. Brother, you said, he said, bring your club on and play with mine. You know, and we did it. You know, connecting the dots, networking. If this person in the neighborhood has an idea, link with the other person, both of you all work together because that is what was taught. That was what we were taught not to do. Just do the opposite. If you look at all the instruction, just go look at what the opposite would be and what would the result. What would that doing the opposite of what you've been trained in some manners, instances, what would the result be if you did the opposite? But I've had conversations with people, Cindy, they don't even understand that we can control our destiny. We can control an outcome. This is how effective the brainwashing, the programming, the conditioning, the indoctrination has been. There are people that don't even understand you do it every day when you wake up, get the eye drumming out your eye, go in the bathroom, take care of all your needs. You got seven holes that need to be washed in addition to the body. And put your clothes on and go out that door. That was a process that you completed. You defined an outcome. You went out that door clean, feeling good, your clothes on. You can take that same situation, go learn the process of putting a community program together to help the young. If you realize that you could have done something else, you're still breathing. Come on. Yeah, well, oh, so you, you, you know, a lot of times I, I'm starting to believe that as adults, I put that in quotes, right? Because a lot of times with the children in adult bodies, <laughs> yeah. everyone's so concerned about what they didn't get, what they didn't have. And, and basically letting their young, their youth, kind of just, well, they'll figure it out. This this mind frame of just like, I, for me, it bothers me. It really does. When you're just like, no, they'll figure it out. But what happens when they don't? Like, yes, it begins with self. But when you are not pouring into the children at all, at all on some like uh, you know one of those uh nature where they kind of like take care of the child and then they let let the child whatever animal it is kind of figure it out but there wasn't that process of like okay you watch me do this you, you saw me do this you know you remember being young and your father doing something building a shed or fixing the car or do you get what i'm saying it's it, it's mm -hmm. paying attention right because if you don't pay attention, you'll get spent. That's right. True story. And, True story. And, and the bird has it down pat. Because after so long of leaving a nest and flying and coming back, 
They just take a little bird and throw them out the nest. Who? Bird started flying. I watched it. I have watched. See, and I'm just saying this. Psychology can be learned by observing your environment, nature, and the system. Very few have done it. You know what that reminded me of when you said you watched the the bird drop the little bird out just to fly. It reminds me of when, you know, for me, my dad was teaching me how to ride a bike. And it it, it was scary at the time because you're young. You don't want to fall because you've fallen so many times. And daddy goes, all right, get up, do it again. And remember that first time you're pedaling and you realize you're not falling. Oh, it's the best fucking feeling in the world. You have conquered how to ride a goddamn bike. The feeling of accomplishment. That's where it starts. And it goes from the bike to cooking a meal, baking a cake, ironing the clothes, or taking them to the cleaners. Either way, it gets done. Driving a car. Starting a business and getting a job. Everything's not for everybody. If it's in you, it'll come out. It sure will. It sure will. I want you, I want you to tell the people where to find you, how to look you up, any questions they want to ask, how to get in touch with you. K-F-Y-E-T dot org. And it's a work in progress because we've added some things. We've got some new partners and we'll be adding some email addresses next week. Um, 725-200-8342. And I think June 3rd we'll have the summer program starting. We may get a physical location here in Las Vegas. But you always got the internet. You always got StreamYard. And um, Facebook, K-I-D-S-H-O-P-Y-E-T-O-R-G. And TikTok, it's two pages. Um, We have uh, YouTube, K-S-Y-E-T. We have IG. K-S-Y-E-T and we have Twitter Kid Shop K-I-D-S-H-O-P-Y-E-T and this is a work in progress oh and we don't want to forget Kid Shop yeah on O-T-W-T-U-D-E dot com and anybody should go there O-T-W-T-U-D-E dot com and set up your page, free speech, unhindered, uncensored. And I want you to drop a couple of jewels before we head out on what you'd like the people to know. All is not lost, but it's a matter of what Dr. Williams calls for, a mindset revolution. 
And for those that that might have been fearful of stepping out, give us a call, 725-200-8342. And um, we'll begin to hold your hand to help you step out and understand, get the knowledge to understand the paperwork and the action of starting up, owning, operating, managing, and also doing the advertising, marketing, and promotion to your business because we're the only pro- program that owns internet radio stations. So we set up to assist. And then as I tell the young people in Las Vegas, Money has been made. Now it's time to provide opportunity because that is what was taken from us. A lot of people didn't have the opportunity to do A, B, and C. Everybody was not given the same instruction. But we have to move with the same information now to overcome. That is beautiful. I want to thank you for coming on the wake of radio.com. Tell them about the station that you have. So we have WKRN. Uh, you can download Urban Star Media on Google and just go to WKRN after you download the app. And then you can reach the website, URBAN. S-T-A-R-R-A-D-O dot com forward slash W-K-R-N. And it's good. No, I was going to say we're going to put that in the description uh, while you're listening to this, whether it's an iHeart or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, blah, blah, all that stuff. And of course, OTW Tube. Um, is there anything else you'd like to touch on before we head out? Well, because you've given all this legacy. <laughs> well, I had a young man. He's grown dear to my heart. He's close to me. But he called me there was a, about two weeks ago. He said, no, no. I don't know you had three stations and all three of them playing different music. I just thought it was WKRN on stage. No. I put two stations in addition to WKR in Las Vegas, one in the city that I was born in, Highland Park, Michigan, which is a small suburb of Detroit, and where my children were born, Syracuse, New York. So we're getting to the Highland Park station, we're finishing up Las Vegas, and we should have a studio at the latest this fall. And uh, we're providing opportunities for people that are going to communication and they have something progressive to say and do. Um, so listen in. And um, we bring on advertisers now. And all the revenue goes to forward progress the program. We've got to get this knowledge out to people so they won't be apprehensive about going into business 
it's not difficult, particularly if you have an idea or a concept. I want to thank you. Always, we we got to come back and do this, right? So we've done the what and the, the when, the what, right? When and where. Mm-hmm. Now we get into how we get out of that mess. That's why I just dropped little bits because the how is extensive and why they did it. That's going to be very interesting. I can't wait. And I know that people can't wait either. I want to thank you. I want to thank you, O.C. Burton II. You are amazing. You know, for me, it's about giving the flowers while you are here, right? And yeah. so I so appreciate you, everything that you do for the community, for others, and you're always there, always there. And so henceforth, this is why we have to pour into each other. It's not a one-way street. It's a No, it's not. It's a two-way street. And to show us a two-way street, I'd like to thank you, Cindy, for the again opportunity. Because I would not be allowed to be on mainstream media. Something is better than nothing. And you've done a great job with On The Wake Up Radio. Now you provide otwtube.com. It's going to be slow because they got to unlearn something. The minute they see, oh, here's some black, you know, it becomes a problem because that's how they've been trained. But you, as all of your hosts say, and I've grown to learn people, this is the hardest working woman in internet radio. And I want to thank you for the opportunity, Miss Cindy Ashby Productions.com. I thank you. I thank you. This is so sweet. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everyone. Uh, you're listening on the Wake Up Radio. Thank you for listening to the hour. Appreciate you guys so much. We're going to listen to Legacy Fifi Dobson. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Dian. Cindy On the wake up. Kids Shop Yet Organization programs are finally here. Visit ksyet.org to register. We provide you with the mindset change information as an introduction to doing business in America. Our Beginner's Instructional Services Manual introduces the basic fundamentals to knowledge and understanding to begin your ladder to success. 
Call us at 725-200-8342. That's 725-200-8342 for more info. Kids Shop Yet Class sign-up for the high school, young adult, and grown folks programs can be found at our website, ksyet.org. That's ksyet.org. If you don't decide your future, someone else will. Pass it on. Attention, African Americans. Our healthy and secure position in America is not going to come just because we've been here and have contributed to this country for several centuries. It is not going to come by just waiting for America to do the right thing. The culture of America is grounded in the evil driving force called the survival of the fittest. This concept justified racism and exploitation. This concept is still strong and is a major player in many of America's policies today. In ignorance, many of us have tagged along with this man-made cancer. But the Bible says, Envy not the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. Therefore, we must turn more of our energies to the appreciation and the development of our own selves instead of begging those who pushed us down to extend their hands to pull us up. Look to the strength that God has created in you. We must stand up, assess the damage, put on the armor of self-appreciation, the sword of a healthy mindset, and fight. We are in a war in a serious mindset battle. A good starting step would be reading the book titled They Stole It But You Must Return It by Richard Williams. This book looks at the slavery experiences in America and how these experiences still affect African Americans and white Americans today. It is an easy and quick read. The book offers insights. It also offers methods and ways for the black family to become strong and healthy. And because of the many requests and the continuing need, this bestseller has been reprinted. But also it is available now on your iPhone, iPad, or computer. Now you can easily download the book from Amazon.com for only $3.99. Every American should read this book. It is a primer. To think unity, we must start with the same information. Get and read this book now. It is time for a mindset revolution. How to sign up for OTW2. Type in OTW2 in your browser. It will bring up the homepage. 
Then you click the little man with the plus sign to open up an account. Use your best email, select a username, and then enter a good secure password. Now you're at the home page. Click the key to log in to your account using your password with your username. Now search in the search bar for OTW2, which is the page we're going to subscribe to. Click subscribe, click add as friend, as well as click where the videos are. Click on a video to view, like that video, as well as comment and your exercise is done. Thank you for your support.